All right. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, hopefully, uh, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, we are, as you can see, uh, a little shorthanded tonight. However, we do have lots to cover. Uh, I believe Dave is uh, traveling, so um, definitely safe travels to him. Uh, unsure of Blunty this evening, but uh, and then Rob's got uh, some family stuff. But we do have Dan and Alex with me tonight, so uh, we'll get some stuff covered. Uh, and uh, if you've got anything to add or you want to... Um, provide some feedback for us that's always welcome um you can hit us up in chat and youtube um or over on our discord tonight um uh, let me get this shared Let's boy see. morton upshot on youtube is on the ball with uh the news already what's going on <laughs> uh jb's new freer on the map uh, did, he, did he go public with that already uh, I know I didn't go public with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to talk about that real quick? So, somebody knows, apparently. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. I haven't updated my Freya map since January, so that's the easy answer. That's why any new it's Freya's called, I'm in the middle are of not... my school semester, and I haven't updated the map yet. How hard is that to export and import to yours from theirs? Uh, takes maybe about... 30 to 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. That's a bit of work. Um, Cause the way I, I process it on my map so that people can find stuff easier instead of having to guess a general location and not have, and adding those pinpoints, that's what adds the time because of that post-processing. Yeah. But it's not too difficult to do. I might be able to automate it. I just haven't put in the time to automate it. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> that sounds like uh, Joshua was talking about it during the news last night, but I, I didn't watch his news. Well, so. it wasn't. I didn't. Uh, it got approved today, so it wouldn't have been on the news last night. Well, somebody knows something. Somebody's a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, uh... That's awesome. All right. So um, you want to talk about that a little bit, Alex, or should we keep it keep it down for now? Is it our news to share? I don't know. I'm guessing Barbell would have said if he got a free or not, or will be saying that. Okay, well, himself. let's leave that for him, okay? <laughs> but, um, yeah. All right, so let me get this shared real quick. All right, so um, everybody knows my love of uh, ingenuity. Um, uh, yeah, the poor, the poor little helicopter. The poor little helicopter. So uh, it, it, it's done. Um, apparently during its last flight, its 71st flight, uh, it... Uh, of how it, many was were planned again? Of five, 71? <laughs> five. Five were planned. Um, so after its 71st flight, it managed to damage one of its rotors. So um, there, right here, it's kind of hard to tell, um, but right here in the center... It's sitting out in this whole little lonely uh, field of sand, of Mars sand, um, all by its lonesome. Um, and uh, presumably that's where it will sit uh, until uh, man walks on Mars and we go <laughs> rescue it. But I wonder if those is... sand dunes shift at all. Uh, it could end up moving it. 
There is weather on Mars for sure. There's wind. Um, I do know that. And I would imagine it does shift. I know uh, in the past, the rovers have utilized the storms on Mars, the wind storms on Mars to brush off dirt from the solar panels. So um there is so it may end up buried at some point and and that'll be tragic but as morton uh, says it's now a parts drone for for the next (laughs) the next one they send so i told my wife about it and because i talk about this thing all the time and uh she's like no somebody needs to go rescue it and i was like well that's really i'm not not doing that walk of shame yeah (laughs) And she's like, well, well, can't the other drone pick it up? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> so I, I think they've shown some slightly closer pictures of it. And most FPV yeah, pilots would be like, hey, you just fly with it. It's just a slightly damaged, <laughs> damaged right. propeller. I'm sure uh, it's not able the to. Atmosphere, uh, yeah, the atmosphere to handle a much, slightly, much different. slightly goofed up propeller. So, they just have to update their PIDs and then they'll be fine. Yeah, there you go. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. All right, so the Perseverance rover snapped this image at uh, 1.05 p.m. global time uh, on February 4th that shows the little helicopter that could sitting alone on a barren Martian sand dune in uh, Naretva Vallis. Um, Perseverance rolled away from its broken companion, possibly for the last time. Um, the image was beamed back to Earth and processed by visual design student uh, Simeon Schmoss, uh, who stitched together the six raw images into a panorama. On January 18th, Ingenuity's rotors were damaged when it made a landing on what NASA called a bland patch of Martian landscape. Typically, the helicopter used rocks and other distinguishing features on the red planet to help it navigate, but the drone didn't have many visual cues during, oh, I'm sorry, 72nd and final flight. NASA confirmed the rotocopter uh, damaged at least one blade when it completed the flight. While it landed upright and is still in communication with uh, NASA's JPL, its flying days were officially over. The JPL is still analyzing the data, or the damage, I apologize. Um, So uh, we couldn't be prouder or happier with how our little baby has done. Ingenuity project manager Teddy Zantzos uh, said during the event, it's been the mission of a lifetime. I wanted to say thank you to all the people here that gave their weekends, their late nights, all the engineers and aerodynamic scientists and technicians who handcrafted this aircraft. Uh, let's see. Ingenuity was initially intended to do five test flights with the Perseverance over 30 days. However, this four-pound helicopter just kept going. It flew 14 times further than planned and had a total flight time of two hours. Longer than my <laughs> five inches. Right? (laughs) Ingenuity hovered above the rotor, acting as a scout as Perseverance puttered along the sands of Mars. Uh, It lasted about 33 times longer than NASA expected. So that's epic. That's cool. Uh, Props to all the folks who worked on this. Uh, Just uh, five flights into 72. That's amazing. And definitely beats Alex's record without crashing. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can certainly see how if it's hovering over us those sand dunes and there's no landmarks and I can't really see the the terrain very well. Uh, I could yeah. easily have dipped and hit one of those sand dunes and damaged the propeller. So uh, thanks in part to Ingenuity success, NASA has proposed using two helicopters 
in a planned Mars sample return mission. These small aircraft could help pick up the canisters of rock samples that the rover has been placing along the planet's surface. The orbiter for this mission is expected to launch in 2027 and the lander in 2028 with the samples returned as early as 2033. Um, so guys, I need you guys to not just pick up the canisters, but pick up the, the, uh, we need you to pick up ingenuity and bring it back. Cause uh, so what is the risk of attempting to fly it again? Cause if it crashes again, yeah, who's it going to injure? Well, I mean, if what's you the think, worst that uh, can happen? well, I mean, if it's still communicating, number one, that's a good deal in terms of being able to send, uh, continue to send data back from its current location. Right. <laughs> So whether that's spin up the rotors to clean the dust off of it every once yeah, in a while, you know, that's not a bad idea as long as it doesn't vibrate it and knock it over. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't really know the answer to that question. I'm sure people who are far smarter and brainier than I Seems have decided like maybe that they it's did not... fly it after it was damaged. And then they, that's when it really had a problem, but I'm not exactly sure which flight was the damage and which one they called it. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But, you know, um, we'll, we'll remember you and I will fondly uh, reminisce. Um, and uh, pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if anybody's into Lego, but Lego released a model of the Perseverance and Ingenuity. So uh, that was pretty cool. I definitely want to get that. So, um, but yeah. Um, so it's done. 72 flights. Congratulations. Um, so moving on to something else that failed. Uh, everybody, uh, if you've been watching us for a while, when this first came out, we talked about it at length. Um, and there were concerns, um, but, uh, not concerns regarding batteries. So, uh, snap the, the parent company of Snapchat uh gave off its or gave up on its pixie flying selfie camera drone after just four months but it turns out the company sold under just under seventy-one thousand drones and now the company is recalling every one of those drones because their batteries pose a fire hazard uh yeah so whoops a lot of money (laughs) yes So, yes, the entire drone is being recalled, not just the removable battery, likely because Snap doesn't make those batteries anymore. Um, So if you were one of the folks who got one of these, um, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Don't send it back and keep it as a collector's item because everybody else is going to get rid of theirs. Yeah, just just be (laughs) careful with those batteries, right? (laughs) How, How much worse can the batteries be than the ones we use? It's a good question. So uh, there have now been four reports of the battery bulging, one fire, and one minor injury. So I've had dozens of mine bulge and then catch on fire. And well, you know, <laughs> I mean, haven't been injured yet. There's a level of remember. difference between what we do and the knowledge that we have surrounding batteries, thanks to uh, a lot of folks who have been through that same experience. Because I've had batteries catch on fire as well. However, uh, it's a little different when it comes when it's not a hobbyist community and it's probably more just a, a social media community. They may not be equipped as well to to deal with stuff like that. So um, you can get a full refund for the entire drone. Um, so approximately one hundred and eighty five dollars back to you if you have one. 
Uh, you don't need a receipt and you can apply for the refund even if you got it as a gift. Uh, you need to return the entire drone minus the batteries. Um, there's some forms to fill out, um, but it says uh, you should not drop them at your local hardware stores or big box stores like Target. There's a website to help dispose of the batteries. Let's click it and see what happens. <laughs> How are we getting rid of these batteries? Oh, okay. Battery recycling. Okay, cool. Well, that's not a bad idea. So, um, yeah. Uh, so be careful if you have one of these. Uh, definitely uh, don't want anybody uh, getting hurt by exploding batteries. So um, this was not the concern when we talked about it. The concern was more uh, regarding to regulations and uh, people flying these uh, without the knowledge. But, you know, everything runs its course, I guess. So, um, Alex, this is of interest to you. Um, drone racing to be featured at the World Games of 2025. Okay, weren't they at so, a preview yeah. event? In they the were, past? yeah, yeah, in, in uh, Al uh, Birmingham, Alabama, in 2022. So, that's 2022. Uh, I thought it was 2020. Oh, wait, yeah, 2022. That makes sense, yeah. So, uh, um the Federation Aeronautic International or World Air Sports Federation confirmed that drone racing will be included as an event in the World Games in Chengdu, China, following its debut at the 2022 Games in Birmingham, Alabama. The 11-day event, held every four years since 1981, features sports that didn't make the cut for the Olympics. So, so every four years. Yep, Wait, so why would it be 2025? It's every four years. I think was that was the preview. I think that was kind of the preview or the oh. like trials or whatnot. So, hmm. so uh, this will be in 2025. Uh, in August 2025, 32 drone pilots from around the world will don FPV goggles and fly radio-controlled drones through brightly lit gates and other obstacles. The drones, which pilots often build themselves, can reach speeds faster than 100 miles per hour. But not uh, in the United States when flying under .07. No, 99.9. Yeah. <laughs> Recreationally, there's no speed right. limit. <laughs> so uh, this will be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, uh, drone racing has been taking off. Uh, I, I don't put it past the Olympics to include this in the future. Um but uh yeah this is definitely some cool stuff with uh you know actual athletics foundations recognizing uh um its viability as a competitive sport so um yeah big deal with this and uh so they just go on to talk about uh the drones will weigh no more than one kilogram and be equipped with onboard video cameras fpv goggles so on and so forth so a lot of the stuff we already know but um yeah this is uh gonna be pretty cool um speaking of competition we also have the game of drones where uavs meet paintball so i have questions um <laughs> how legal is that uh, oh that's my question <laughs> depends which country you're in are they virtual so, paintballs or real paintballs? No, the, supposedly they're real paintballs. And the article is very vague. So um, 
they uh, talk about uh, it's called Game of Drones, a sport where the technology of UAVs meets the classic high energy game of paintball. Uh, this innovative fusion delivers an electrifying experience, often offering a glimpse of the future in interactive sports. Uh, Game of Drones repurposes drones in a way never seen before. Participants fly their UAVs in an enclosed arena, navigating a three-dimensional battlefield where strategy and precision flight skills are key. The objective? To tag opposing drones with biodegradable, non-toxic, paint-filled pellets that splatter on impact, much like traditional paintballs. That sounds like really attaching a paintball gun to a drone and flying it around. Yeah, it sure does. And I'm I'm questioning well, it doesn't say about where an enclosed space. So it wouldn't yeah. be national and, airspace. Indoors, so FAA's has a jurisdiction because of that. Well, it says nettings and barriers maintain the drones within safe boundaries. So it, yeah, it doesn't it necessarily depends. sound like it's indoors. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Like I said, this well, article is netting does vague. Netting does keep it outside the national airspace system because as long as it can't leave the nets, that it's not considered okay. in the national airspace system, at least Fair. from my understanding. Fair. Okay. But so, again, I, I have questions. Does anything about projectiles from the drone leaving the netting? Because <laughs> that's the only thing I would worry about is the paintballs exiting the netting. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to put barriers in place, plexiglass or something to uh, prevent uh, stray rounds from... The FAA doesn't care out. about projectiles if they're not remotely Or bonus points if you hit the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this would be fun, number one. Uh, I would, I would uh, enjoy this. However, um, I still have questions. CB so. Runner saying that this was done like eight years ago. I don't, I'm not sure... Well, I checked the date. To, so. <laughs> this was at we least a new know, article. Sometimes. Yes, it is. So uh, I'm sure this has been done before. I mean, we've all seen videos of... Uh, all the, um, there's a various air combats using things like the old laser tag type setups. But Yeah, and I've seen, I've seen uh, some old, I think probably five or six years ago, a uh, Russian guy putting, a, you know, some kind of rifle or pistol on a drone. But... Um, I mean, it would be intriguing to watch, um, but uh, at the same time, you know, I mean, game on, I guess. You should require everybody to have their props rotating in. So if you hit any of the front props, the paint like, <laughs> oh. splatters all on your FPV camera and you can't fly anymore. <laughs> that would be <laughs> brutal. <laughs> what if I don't have my FPV camera in the front of my drone? Yeah, that would be a strategy, I guess. Yeah, you can do like a... Or in a, the line of propellers. PTZ on a bubble underneath or something like that. That'd be interesting. All right. So uh, definitely uh, cool. So uh, I feel like I'm burning through these articles pretty quick. Uh, I think with just a couple of us, it's uh, a little faster. But Dave's a little more long winded than we are. <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> All right, so um, with the Super Bowl coming up, obviously uh, TFRs are in place in uh, it's in Vegas this year. Um, so, however, uh, there's a, a gentleman who uh, is facing federal charges for illegally flying a drone over uh, the M&T Bank Stadium during the AFC Championship. Um, and this was in Baltimore, Pennsylvania. Man is facing felony federal charges in connection 
with a drone flying over M&T Bank Stadium during the Baltimore Ravens AFC Championship game on January 28th. Um, so this gentleman uh, is being charged for illegally operating a drone during the playoff game, which caused a delay. Um, illegally operating drones poses a significant security risk that will lead to federal charges, said United States Attorney Eric Barron. Uh, temporary flight restrictions are always in place during large sporting events. Um, operating a drone requires users to act responsibly and educate themselves on when and how to use them safely. Uh, said acting special agent in charge, uh, Joseph Rothcock, or the FBI's Baltimore field office. We got the FBI involved in this. Oh, my goodness. Um, the FBI would like to remind the public of the potential dangers of operating a drone in violation of federal laws and regulations. So, did, they, did this person fly it right over the stadium or really close, or were they this, like at the edge of the three mile radius? Or, so it seems like, um, according to the Department of Justice, during the game, the incursion of an ident- unidentified and unapproved drone was deemed a serious enough threat that the NFL security temporarily suspended the game. Uh, Maryland State police troopers tracked the movement of the drone directly over the stadium and deployed to the area where the drone landed in the 500 block of South Sharp Street in Baltimore. Herbert was located at that location and spoke with law enforcement. So uh, he said he purchased the DJI UAS in 2021 and used the DJI account to operate the drone. The drone was not registered, nor did Herbert possess a remote pilot certificate to operate it. So, well, he was just flying for fun. (laughs) What's interesting is how the same thing happened at the same stadium, maybe three weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a little longer than that. I don't remember, but it was within the same season. And this seems getting more attention, but probably because it's the second time it's happened in about the same month. Yeah, I would imagine. Um and did, did really they annoying. did they um do any did they find the person for the first one? I haven't heard anything about the first one. Okay. Since um, but I know that they got the person from the first one. Okay. At least. But so, uh, I think I'm guessing this one just has more media because it's the second time and around a bigger the same game month. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that too. Um, it's really annoying. The only yeah. thing that could be that would be nice of this is if it was the same guy who dove the Washington Monument, so he'd get charged for that too. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the only positive benefit. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, uh, this gentleman apparently, uh, or allegedly, uh, flew the drone approximately a hundred meters or higher for approximately two minutes. According to the affidavit while in flight, Herbert captured approximately six photos of himself in the stadium and may have taken a video as well. If convicted, Herbert faces a maximum sentence of three years in federal prison for knowingly operating an unregistered UAS and for knowingly serving, serving as an airman without an airman certificate that's that's huge um yeah that's that's uh three years in federal prison maximum uh but uh it'll be interesting to see uh what they choose to have you know what they choose to do with this in terms of enforcement Um, i suppose they can require that it was a part 107 flight because they broke the recreational rules like 
no registration, right? Then it immediately yeah. makes up Part 107, and then they can get you for not having a Part 107 certificate. It seems I like think that I... was right. Something like that. I mean, that's a that's a tough uh, that's a tough one. So, um, guys, just uh, you know, as always, be careful where you're choosing to fly. Don't fly over um, a football stadium during a game. Yeah, and definitely pay attention to those TFRs. And if you have friends or you know know people who are just getting into the drone, please help educate them um, on stuff like this. It, that kind of stuff goes a long way. So, but uh, we'll watch and see. Uh, I'll try and keep uh, tabs on this and see what kind of enforcement action happens. But uh, yeah, that could be pretty rough for this this person. So, what would all be right, interesting. What's that? Along these lines, something that'd be interesting that probably shouldn't be done, but would still be interesting is if you took a DJI drone and you were going to the game, you just brought it with you, powered it on your car, and you just put up the motors in your car without actually flying it, just to see if that. Alex, that's a attention. horrible idea. <laughs> that is It'd a be interesting. Idea. All right, you volunteer, and we'll come bail you out of jail. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm saying that'd be just interesting to see what happens and see if they could get you for it. What if you just live a block away from the stadium and you're flying something in your house? And it happens to be a DJI and broadcasting. I mean, you're not violating anything because you're in your house, but, I mean, it would still, It could confuse the systems that might be monitoring for something like that. Yeah, maybe you call the stadium ahead of time, like, hey, I live here. I'm flying this drone in my house, not outdoors. If you pick it up, well, you can come check it out, but I'll be indoors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I would just, you know, advise caution with everything in relation to that. I mean, they they... I again, I don't know what enforcement action they're actually going to take, but yeah, this is uh, they've actually filed charges, so um, that's uh, that's a that's a rough one. All right, so uh, last but not least, oh, I was uh, scrolled down. So NASA releases a STEM toolkit for advanced air mobility. Um, so NASA Aeronautics has released a new STEM toolkit focusing on advanced air mobility for education educators and students of all ages. The toolkit comprised of numerous educational activities is a free resource for anyone who's interested in learning more about the advanced air mobility's missions goal of enabling the use of drones and other new aircraft in our skies. Uh, students can engage with the principles of AAM in a variety of ways, including hands-on activities on topics such as coding, math, energy, the environment, and more. It is one of three STEM toolkits focusing on NASA's aeronautics research, the others being sustainable aviation and the Quest mission. Um, I thought it was sort of interesting that this seems to be lumping like drones under AAM as part of this whole STEM thing. Like hey, you're, hey, you're having students drone. do STEM activities about drones, but like pretending that the drones are carrying people or something, but <laughs> clearly they're so not. So I, I went to the, the actual STEM website where uh, the stuff is, and let me see if I can scroll down. Right here is the STEM toolkit for AAM. Um, so they do a couple different things with, uh, and I didn't dive into these. Some of these are videos. Um and uh, they've got propeller design challenge, uh, propelling the payload uh, challenge, 
um, how to do pilot logbooks. Um, there's uh, making sensors, and I started watching this video, but um, I didn't get it all the way through. But uh, household supplies to make sensors with NASA. Um, so they were using uh, different like balloons and stuff like that to make different types of kind of like analog sensors. Mm -hmm. um, propeller cars, uh, uh, search and rescue for robot like uh, um, UAS search and rescue. Uh, how to yeah, deliver search and rescue just I, when i think aam i think air taxis i don't think people using drones to correct search and rescue yeah and and i would agree with you on that and it does seem like nasa's like kind of lumping it all and i feel like that's because the faa has kind of dissolved the um yeah the dac and made the ack <laughs> yeah and then and then kind of dissolve that now it's under air mobility and and all that kind of stuff so i don't know if it's just they're trying to homogenize it all into to one category instead of all these desperate disparate ones but um i mean there's some some interesting stuff let, let me see i'll click the search and rescue one so it's kind of got a uh um a little syllabus here and um so students will apply the steps of engineering design to successfully complete a team challenge, conduct research and write a proposal and create a basic budget, uh, program a spherical robot using JavaScript or block programming to complete various level challenges, design and build test solutions for each problem and create a presentation and share results. So um, let's see, where does this go? We'll dig in a little bit. Oh. 28 pages. So yeah, it's a full on curriculum and uh, help with natural disasters. So yeah, there's a whole thing in here, but um, this would be interesting to go through. Um, to be honest, I might look at this a little bit uh, heavier, but um, oh, definitely diagram. Oh, a chariot. Let's see. Chariot, the chariot pictured here can be shared to assist students in their initial design. However, for best results, encourage students to be creative and engineer their own designs for each challenge. So this one's uh <laughs> what is that? What is that challenge? It looks like there's a toothpick pointing <clears throat> out of one end. So you're supposed to use a Sphero robotic ball or other spherical programmable robot to probably put in the cup. Uh, let's see. So Let's see. Students will explore challenges engineers face through different phases of NASA missions as they conduct research, propose a solution, create a design. Post-natural disaster scenario, this challenge will task teams with up to five potential problems. Um, I'm, I'm sure it makes sense when you read the instructions, but just uh, taking that photo out of context, <laughs> you have yeah. no clue what it's doing. I think the little Sphero goes in the cup and it drags, you know, whatever like, else along with it. Are you jousting with the... The toothpick? <laughs> Are you trying to pop a balloon or what's yeah. what's going on? So uh, definitely interesting. There's scoring. There's uh, they talk about the uh, uh, ingenuity here. Uh, so, hey, bonus points for NASA <laughs> there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so there's uh, definitely some materials here and handouts and all that kind of stuff. So um, pretty cool. Um, it's a little weird that everything's getting lumped under. I'm with you, Dan. Uh, everything's getting lumped under AAM now. 
but yeah, but it, it's uh, good to see some completely out in the open free stem mm -hmm. information for educators to use for drone related stuff absolutely and i mean i don't know if nasa and fa are uh relaying everything you know uas to aam because that's their end goal and but there's you know a hundred thousand other uses for uas besides air mobility right um there's agriculture there's inspection there's search and rescue which this one kind of tackles and um hundreds of other uses as well as uh just competition right um stuff Alex does racing and, and freestyle and, and all those different things. Yeah, I think so some of it was even talking about like aerial mapping of things and mm -hmm. let's see, let's go back here. Let's see what else we got. So we got delivery um, and navigating obstacles. Um, so all kinds of interesting stuff here. Um, but there's, <clears throat> if you're interested, uh, this is all from NASA. There's other stuff here. There's 3D printing uh, uh, files um, for the X59 and the X66, um, which uh, one of them looks like a, a very hypersonic jet. I don't know. I don't know enough about these uh, models of planes, but um, free eBooks. So if you're looking for something, maybe uh, you got kids that are interested in this kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of resources here to kind of help them along that path there's a lineup um let's see simulators flyby math uh you know all kinds of stuff so definitely heck there's paper airplanes in case you don't know how to make a paper <laughs> airplane so um but yeah definitely cool stuff and that kind of wraps up what i have for this evening so i took up about half our time so I like CB runner's comment is that they're uh, wanting kids to develop the tech to rescue the helicopter on Mars. <laughs> hey, I'm down for that. Let's do it. Let's do That's it. what that little diagram was for. That little yeah <laughs> cup with the <laughs> chariot thing on it. I'm just going to scoop it up and carry it back. It'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks CB. Thanks for supporting my, my, my wife's goal of rescuing the, the little helicopter. <laughs> All right, uh, Dan, you got anything for us this evening? I don't. Not uh, not anything new or interesting since our last meeting. All right. Um, Alex, what do you got? Anything fun going uh, on? All I have is the Global Qualifier Track Design Contest has opened up. Nice. So um, you there are so you have from February 16th to the 20th, six you can uh, submit a track to be um, considered for um, for the uh, global qualifier this season so that means that we'll probably get dozens yeah i'll share the screen yeah um, please but here we go share so yeah um so the timeline for it so february 16th 26th when you can submit tracks and uh there's a couple of different rules for building the tracks you have to use 10 gates and five flags. Um, and then a couple of other different things on here. There's a GQ template for the area you have. Um, after the 26th, there's going to be three judges that uh, pick their top two tracks each. 
over between the 26th to March 6th. Um, and so the judges will narrow that down. Uh, all track submissions are going to be anonymous this year. So that way there That's isn't good. any bias from who's who is in pilots and drone racing. And then uh, for community voting, after the judges narrow it down, the uh, community is going to actually vote again for what their favorite track is uh, amongst the six finalists. And then uh, on the 22nd, we'll get our uh, official GQ track for the season with the GQ season beginning on March 29th. Um, and that's uh, kind of what we got. So the, the question is, is, is Alex going to be submitting a design? Um, if I find time, otherwise <laughs> I might be too lazy and I'm not. Well, I'm not necessarily too lazy, but busy with school and yeah, not have extra time. Have you submitted one in the past before? Uh, no. Oh, wow. But I have a couple ideas for obstacles that I'd want to put in and flight paths I'd want to do. I just haven't actually put it together in the sim and so you've got uh, to find somebody who's building a track but needs a couple more features that you could throw into theirs and team up yeah um so like one of the things is you have to be within a 200 foot by 100 foot boundary and you don't really want the flight line to go out of that boundary mm -hmm. um, so there's cool like some of that kind of stuff but yeah you know, this is all on multi gp's website right Yes, uh, multigp.com slash 2024 that's track contest. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, definitely look forward to see what's, uh, what the, the map's going to be this year and uh, definitely pretty cool. Oh, Josh, I do yeah. actually have two things, two small yeah. things that I, I remembered. And uh, as CB Runner pointed out in the chat, he's asking about the remote ID comparison. Um, yeah, yes. uh, we did go live with a small remote ID comparison web page. Oh, let's see. Sharing. This one, share it. So a minor update to our website. There's a new remote ID tab that I've kind of filed a few remote ID things under. And we've got this remote ID modules page um, where it just briefly talks about remote ID modules. We've got a link to a spreadsheet where we have uh, whoops, a whole bunch of comparisons of all the specs of various modules that we know about. And then down here, there's the modules that we personally have bought and have done some testing on. And you can you can click on one of these modules and you can read really quick, uh, get a link to their website, some pros and some cons of each one and why you might want this module versus another one, like the, mm -hmm. the Phoenix MRID. You might want for an FPV drone where uh, something like the Holy Stone is more of an all built in one with the battery, which might work better for your DJI stuff where you don't have easy access to the power. Um, so not a whole lot here, but just a really quick guide to a few remote ID modules and try to help point people in the right direction. Uh, let's see. The other thing that uh, if Dave was here, he could talk more about is we yep. added some chartering to the FPV Freedom Coalition. And maybe you can explain more of what chartering is and why we yeah, changed absolutely. our bylaws to include chartering. So uh, one of the things that uh, we decided to do... Um, 
And actually, could you bring that back up for me? Uh, sure. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so one of the things we decided to do was uh, basically a charter utilizing our CBO uh, to charter organizations to allow primary and secondary schools to fly under uh, recreational rules uh, on school grounds. So um, the uh, Congress has a draft in the Reauthorization Act, which allows primary and secondary school attendees to fly under those. Um, but uh, they need to obviously get that passed, provide a rule or an advisory circular. However, we don't know when that's going to happen. And uh, we don't know uh, in terms of the FAA reauthorization, that's not done yet. And, and then uh, when they're going to actually authorize that. So we're going to offer our chartering, uh, offer chartering through us. Um, so uh, each team uh, and a team is, is a very loose term here, but a uh, minimum of three people. Um, we're only requiring uh, the lead uh, person who is uh, initiating the charter for the team to uh, be a member, either an adult member or a uh, what we call our founding members. Um, and uh, they just need to communicate with us give us a documentation that says, hey, my uh, school is authorizing this. Um, that focal person, you know, we'll work with that person to make sure everything's in order. And uh, they just need to be over 18 and uh, kind of just talk to us. And um, yeah, we're trying to make it simple, easy, as low cost yeah. as possible, uh, low barrier of entry for the whole thing. But Still, we need some sort of a, a barrier of entry and some contact person uh, to make this whole chartering thing legit. Yeah. So um, now there's a couple, you know, caveats here is that um, we're not obviously responsible for anything that happens. <laughs> um, and all that's here in the bylaws and the instructions. Um, this is limited to the grounds of the uh, school. Um, or organization that's applying for this. Um, so you can only fly on school grounds um, and there's no organizational requirements. We don't require you to have meetings or you know anything like that. If you want insurance, that's on you. Uh, we're not providing any of that. Uh, it's just a way for you to say, hey, you know, we're a charter under this organization. We're flying by FPV, FC rules. Um, and again, this is all private, so um we're not unless you say we can uh we're not going to advertise that you have this charter through us um uh, it's just a way to kind of you know get stem going in in some of these uh primary and secondary schools and help you guys or help these organizations facilitate that so um pretty simple process it's uh not convoluted at all um i think it's like a page worth of instructions there's nothing much there so um and uh you just you know once once you're going if you guys you know if somebody wants to dissolve this then just let us know and we'll just take you off the books kind of thing so um yeah that's that's really it so um i'll let dave uh next uh community meeting he can definitely talk a little bit more about this but um yeah it's just uh pretty straightforward so um, if you are a school and uh, you, you feel like you want to do a charter, um, then reach out. Um, our, our 
email addresses are on our website. So, um, and we can help you facilitate that. So. Maybe Ryan was asking, is this like declaring you are a CBO proxy? Ish, you're kind of, it's kind of like a, oh, I guess it would fall under kind of uh, similar to like a flying site for AMA. Uh, They're chartered under that main organization. They're kind of an entity on their own, um, but you're flying by their rules. So it's a little more official kind of thing. So. And again, uh, I'm not super well-versed in the chartering. I did help write this uh, in terms of just uh, cleaning up some of this, but this is definitely Dave's baby. Um, And uh, it's definitely a a great thing Um, and definitely within the mandate of CBOs to do at this point. So, And kind of like you mentioned before, it's something the FAA says CBOs can do, and it Mm -hmm. allows high schools uh, to to do things they otherwise couldn't do if they were not chartered by a CBO. Yeah. So this is different from like a free situation. Um, so, I mean, any kind of regulations, unless a FRIA was established, you'd still have to fly with, you know, uh, modules or, or standard remote ID or anything like that. But um, it I would, does. I would the... imagine a lot of, if we chartered somebody and they wanted a place to fly, we would help uh, apply Provide for a free, free uh, yeah. it, mm-hmm. near our part of their school grounds or something. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's definitely something we could help mm-hmm. them with. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty, pretty much it. So uh, like I said, I'll let Dave kind of talk about this a little more in depth on the next town hall. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, it's, it's fairly straightforward. If you need help, reach out. We'll, we'll, we'll step you in the right direction. So. All right. Um, all right. What else? That it? Yeah, I feel like that's that's about it for this evening, guys. So um, appreciate you guys joining us. Thank you, CB Runner, for uh, the the uh, questions and the interaction. We we definitely appreciate that. And then uh, with that, we'll see you all in another two weeks, I think. So um, thank you. All right, see ya. Have a good night.